What's up, everyone? My name is Philip Hensler. And I'm Adam Richman. And we're your co-hosts for today's PATHS Technology Committee podcast. We started this podcast to initiate a conversation with the members of the athletic training community in Pennsylvania in the hopes that we can engage and foster relationships in the state, explore emerging settings, and provide a unique perspective into the day in the life of an athletic trainer. Today, I want to thank our guest, Brandon Mazza, for taking time out of his busy schedule to come talk with us. Brandon, so great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Of course, of course. Glad to be here. So Brandon has been a licensed athletic trainer for over 10 years. Uh, he graduated in 2008 from Duquesne University. Uh, he is an NASM performance enhancement specialist and is currently working uh, with UPMC at the Taylor Alderdice High School as a site coordinator. And he also has some fun experience with one of the major uh, sports teams in Pittsburgh. Um, I'll let you guys guess what that is. It's very, very hidden in the <laughs> shot. Um, but I think we'll uh, end up talking a little bit about that uh, a little bit later with uh, current events in the COVID uh, situation. So Brandon, uh, why don't you take over? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, how have you gotten to this point in your career? How have I gotten to this point in my career? Well, I, uh, it's been an interesting road to you know, get here. Um, so like you said, uh, actually, you were one of my colleagues at Duquesne University. And when I first joined Duquesne University, I knew I wanted to get into medicine somewhat, um, but I really wasn't sure like where my fit was. You know, I was kind of always into you know sports. I was high school athlete at um, South Bay High School. I played football there. Um, really didn't even know what athletic training was at the time until I broke my elbow during one of my senior year football games. You know, I uh, went through the whole rehab protocol and I was like, you know what? I think I want to be a physical therapist. Got into Duquesne University and started looking around and I didn't even know that the sports medicine world really existed where I could specialize and just work with athletes. As I kind of focused in, I realized that sport, this was, this was from, you know, I did a uh, rotation with the Pittsburgh Steelers when I was in college and I had uh, one of the best experiences ever time of my life. You know, the following week after we lost that last playoff game, I was in a rehab clinic to little my thumbs, you know, working on geriatric patients and I was bored out of my mind, you know, so, you know, I really kind of fell into it. I went in thinking I wanted to do something like physical therapy. And then, you know, by the end, I came out and realized I kind of just want to work with athletes. Um, from there, you know, I got on a job at UPMC Sports Medicine. Um, I became an athletic trainer one. I was uh, on board with uh, Pittsburgh Public Schools, you know, from the get-go. At the time, we had uh, nine Pittsburgh Public Schools, but we only had three athletic trainers for all nine schools. So, you know, me learning how to be an athletic trainer and, learning how to, you know, manage 30 teams per season. It was, it was pretty interesting, you know, from the get-go there. Um, so my second year at UPMC, uh, a contract was drafted up between the Pittsburgh Penguins and UPMC Sports Medicine, and they needed help. They weren't really sure how much or how little at the time. They just said, we needed help, you know. Uh, my manager, who knew I was real big into hands-on manual therapy and knew that I was very big into hockey, me being a young athletic trainer full of energy, uh, ready to, you know, work these hard, long shifts. She thought it'd be a good fit, you know, and I did that first year and I really think the rest was history. You know, year by year, I kind of carved out my notch. Um, I am one of their concussion spotters over the years that uh, was mandated by the different agreements and things like that. So, you know, I, it was an interesting way I got to this point, but 
fun otherwise. Yeah, Brandon, that that sounds awesome. Um, can you can you dig in a little bit deeper about like what your current role looks like and what a typical day looks like for you? You know, depending if you're more in that site coordinator role or if you're more in the the Penguins. Okay, I will for say my day is very atypical, no matter what day it is. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of my responsibilities, you know, start with um, the high school and training camp. You know, so during, you know, coming up like this fall here, we have training camps coming up where I'm, you know, in the morning I'm there at 7 a.m. I don't leave sometime till 7 at night and I'm doing, you know, paperwork after that. You know, I'm at the practices, you know, I'm going to the games for the high school athletes. I'm, you know, doing all the rehab, I'm doing the concussion testing, the day-to-day sports medicine things that you'd expect with traditional roles in athletic training. Now, once Penguins start kicking up, you know, I'm there for their training camp in the mornings, okay? So the kids, you know, conveniently go back to school where my schedule would only start at 2 o'clock. Well, guess what? Training camp for the Pens start now. So, you know, come that, I'm working training camps. And, you know, from training camp, I'm leaving. I'm going to the high school and working the fall sports, you know, there. Once we start playing games with the Penguins, you know, it kind of gets a little bit trickier depending. Um, UPMC is very um, helpful in that essence. So if I have a football game and I have a hockey game the same night, they will send, you know, some help my way for the football game, and I would go cover the hockey game. But, you know, I don't have practice that night. There's a hockey game. Okay, guys, have a good night. And then I go work the hockey game. Um, yep. So it's really depends on what day, what time of the year it is. You know, whenever um, the teams are traveling, um, I'm like the athletic trainer that are it's kind of responsible for the at-home base. Um Sometimes they go on road trips for, you know, two weeks per se, and they have an athlete that doesn't go on the road trip, you know, with the Penguins. So I'll be the athletic trainer that shows up there every morning and I do their, you know, their rehab. I'm there for their on ice training and things along that nature, you know. So it's uh, it really depends the time of the year, how many injuries we have, what's going on with the sports. And yeah, yeah. a lot of gears there. Do you think you could um, maybe explain the the professional role there and, and what the, the hierarchy looks like at the Penguins? Like, you know, do you have a head athletic trainer? Like, do they, you okay. know, who, who does the initial evaluation? And then how does yeah. it, you know, wh- how, when do they get to you? And, and you know, I know you, you talked about manual therapy and that being a passion for you. Yeah. You know, how does that all look and, and how does that trickle down? Yep, yep. So the Penguins have their own sports medicine team to start with, okay? okay. They have a head athletic trainer. They have two assistants athletic trainers. I'm kind of more of like an adjunct contract from UPMC, you know, like I mentioned previously. Yeah. And um, I'm just there to kind of do the, actually the, the meat and potatoes of my job, which kind of is the best part of my job, if you ask me. You know, um, Chris Stewart, the head there, does a great job with, you know, the major duties that comes with being a head athletic trainer, which is, you know, a lot. Yeah. You know, um, luckily, you know, I don't have to do all the paperwork and, you know, all the behind scenes things. I get to show up and do like the best part of my job. I get to help people. You know, I get to put my hands on them. I get to do what I do best. You know, I mean, when I do go to the high schools, though, I do got to do that paperwork. So, you know, sometimes I go to the Penguins, it's like texture relief. I just get to do my job. You know, I don't have yeah. to call a parent later at night because, you know, Johnny got his ankle rolled during practice. You know, like I can go to the hockey and I can just do what I do best. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how big is uh, how big is Taylor Alderdice? Taylor Alderdice. Taylor Alderdice is – so we're in our own district, but if you're considered to like the rest of the Whipple, we're a 6A school. Um, we have roughly between 350 to 400 kids per grade level, you know, so, so not a small school at all. No. I mean, you're, you're working, you're working a full competition, a full sport load with a lot of athletes. Exactly. So a normal season, we probably have between 200, and 250 athletes. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But now, um, Adam, unless, do you have another, uh, add on for that? No. So I was, um, so one of the cool things I think you're, you're working in the professional setting, you're, you're working, uh, with professional athletes and you're also at the larger high school. What do you see that overlaps in those two arenas? Because they're pretty extreme difference. But, I mean, we're all athletic trainers. We're all, like you said, you get to take care of your athletes. Um, what, what do you see that's similar and different? How does one interact with the other? I, I think the similarities, you being an athletic trainer, you know, in, in my opinion, an athlete is an athlete is an athlete. You know, I get people ask me all the time, what's, what are the penguins like? I'm like, well, have you ever met, you know, a high school hockey player? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what a high school hockey player is like. Well, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. They're just a little bit older and have a little bit more cash in their pockets. You know, I mean, I, I think a few less just, teeth you know, and a little bit more facial hair. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, they still, you know, worry if they have an injury. You know, they still get stressed out if, you know, things at home aren't going right. You know, so a lot of the human aspects of just the athlete, I mean, you see that crossover pretty, pretty easily, you know. Obviously, you know, there's some major differences and, you know, uh, treatment approaches and availability of facilities. You know, I might see an athlete and say, hey, I think this needs to be looked at by a physician. I call mom, you know, they can be in three days later. And, that, you know, that doctor, oh, I think we need to get an MRI. You get an MRI a week later. So now we're like a week and a half out before it's really gets some imaging. Whereas this athlete came up to me during practice and said, my back's a little sore. I said, hey, doc, can you take a look at this? Yeah, we're getting an MRI in 10 minutes. You know, yeah. so just the availability of different assets. I mean, that's probably the major differences I see. Yeah. So you're not waiting around for diagnostics. You know exactly what you're dealing with. Same. Yeah. Day. We're st- yeah. We're standing there watching MRI happen. You know, it's as quick as quick as you can get it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's cool. So um, penguins are restarting. I heard that on the news. They are. Um, yeah. How much or what can you talk about? what you guys are doing for the restart and uh, a little bit of how that's uh, involved with the high school. Um, I know you're doing a little bit with UPMC on that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about how we're handling things here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're actually handling things pretty well in Pittsburgh. Uh, we definitely have the facility to do it up there at Lemieux Sports Complex. Uh, it's been a phased return to play protocol. Uh, currently we are now in the third phase, I believe, where we're actually in training camp and we're allowed to have, you know, full guys on the ice and, you know, being able to have actual practices. Previous to this, we were in a phase where we're only allowing a limited amount of guys on the ice per session. Okay. These sessions would have, you know, a specific uh, equipment guy, an athletic trainer and some sort of strength coach. Once those guys had their session, they had their skate, all of us staff included had to leave before the next group could get in there. You know, during that process, you know, there would be sanitation between groups. And um, I guess I should have mentioned there's a pretty good screening process that we go through, um, just allow people in the building. Uh, We use an online application that the athlete actually takes their temperature at home, logs into the system. They, you know, do all their symptoms. They get to the arena. Once they get to the arena, you know, myself, I screen my guys specifically, you know, the temperature, and then we allow them to the building from there. Um, I think that, I mean, for what we have at Lemieux, because we have two sheets of ice, it makes it very easy to have what we were doing happen. You know, I mean, we had to have six groups of guys because we're only allowing limited amounts on a time. If we only had one sheet of ice to work on, I think that would be near impossible. You know, so, you know, with that, we had to have the NHL come in and 
kind of give it a once over, approve our program, our protocol. And they actually comment that we are one of the better um, facilities, I would say, around the area. So it sounds like they're shutting down the uh, Lemieux Sports Complex for practices now. You guys are using both sheets of ice. Correct. So correct. no public viewing. Uh, no, no, you no. won't have other teams on the other ice or anything like that. No, no spectators. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very limited on the amount of people actually allowed in the facility. Okay. And and your bubble. So you're saying like you have an AT and a strength coach. That's in your bubble, and then those they're not in any other bubble. Correct. The athletes that were in my group were in my group, and they didn't you know merge until actually this latest phase. They were allowed to merge yeah, to bigger groups. But, but it, earlier you know, that, on, yeah. Exactly. Those were my guys. They weren't allowed to cross a specific line in the building because that was considered, you know, not part of the protocol, you know? So right. yeah, we kept it pretty tight and I think we did pretty good. We didn't spread in anything, you know, thus yeah. far. And so what about, what if, what if somebody, what an athlete, you know, he's doing a screening in the morning and he says, you know, I have a headache or I have a sore throat today. What, yeah, what does I mean, that look that, like? I mean, that's, well, firstly, if they do document that into the system, we get all red flagged as athletic trainers because we are part of the system. Yep. Um, obviously that's a call to the head athletic trainer, which would go straight to the head team doctor. And then I think they'd probably evaluate the situation from there. I think yeah. with the latest outbreaks and things, I would probably, they probably wouldn't even recommend them coming to the facility that day and they'd probably take care of it on an individual basis there. Yeah. And they'd be able to, to get testing and, and, and pretty quickly then, and be able to rule in or rule out if it was actually a case or not. For sure. For sure. Yeah, so for the, um, the things we were speaking to, when we had these limited groups of guys in bubbles, you know, we were going through um, testing on a weekly basis to make sure you know, none of us had that. Now that we're all in a little bit of a closer proximity, we have decided to switch to you know, uh, every other day testing just to be a little bit more safe for us and the athletes. Yeah, and, and do, you, do you mind, we, we talked a little bit off air, but could, do you mind like kind of going over the different types of testing and how long it's been taking for you to get results back? Yep, yep, yep. So um, the initial testing we're using with the nasopharyngeal, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have any pleasure of having that done, but it's like a nice oh long Q-tip, you know, I feel like it touches your brain sometimes. Um, that's what we were using. Uh, we were getting results back fairly quickly um, in the beginning, uh, at least in a lot of week time that we were doing the testing. You know, uh, I believe there was definitely some spikes in Allegheny County and around the area, and we were definitely not getting test back results as quick as we were looking for. So we decided to switch to saliva testing. And the saliva testing, we have the ability to work with the lab and get these test back results much quicker, you know. Nice. Nice. And then do you want to talk about, um, you know, as you're into these later phases, what, what, are they, what do you look like now? Uh, I mean, we're coming along. We have another week of training camp coming up here shortly. And then, you know, 26th, uh, leaving to Toronto. Yeah, yeah, for our final bubble. And those, and again, now, now you're testing every day or every other day, you said? Every other day for the salon. Every other day. Um, any, anything as you, um, you know, you're, you're now you're leaving your bubble of Pittsburgh and you're going to another state, you know, playing another opponent. Does that change any of the testing or any of the protocols? I think, you know, we're not really going to any other states. We're going straight to Toronto from here. You know what I mean? Okay. We're, we're, we're leaving Pittsburgh. We're going to Toronto. Once we're there, we're, we're there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So they're doing the whole the whole season. Toronto was the pick city. Well, okay. the the east is in Toronto. The west is in Edmonton. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know those. Now, how does, that makes sense. That makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you're allowed to say, how does that affect you? Now, will you be staying here in Pittsburgh, going back and forth, or 
Brandon did not so make with, Brandon did not make that cut on that one. You know, so they limit the guys that are actually allowed into the bubble, rightfully so. And right. uh, yep. So you know, as soon as the training camp's over, you know, I'll wait for the boys to bring a cup home. Yeah, right. so that's that's how they're limiting it once they get up there. They still have that bubble. Yeah, I'm I'm right. not up on my current events right now in, in sports mm-hmm. world. So gotcha. That makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Do you want to then talk about talk about the high school? You said you're you're pretty involved in um, writing some protocols and and, and obviously in, with the uh, the high school sports trying to ramp back up. What what does that look like in Pittsburgh for high schools? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's that's been a process as well. You know, I'm looking working with my athletic director. I'm working with you know the Pittsburgh board um, to try to figure out what's going to be the safest way to get these athletes back. I think a big concern was not having this conditioning time that a lot of the athletes are kind of looking for during the mm-hmm. summertime. How do we get these athletes working out in a safe environment, you know, uh, without getting into too many details with the individual school screening process. But, you know, I think similar to the professional enter the facility, we're going to have some sort of screening protocol where the athletes have to go through some sort of questionnaire temperature screening um, to we're obviously maintaining social distances on the sidelines. Problem is, I think we're kind of in a holding pattern with different recommendations from the state right now. So, you know, what is the right answer today might not be the right answer next week, you know. Never yeah. is so, right now. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So right now um, we're limiting to, you know, groups of like 25 uh, on okay. the field okay. you know, in the high school setting. Um, that's just for right now. It's just for the off-season training. You know, um, we're, you know, encouraging athletes to, you know, wear masks whenever they're not working out, you know, all staff members are wearing masks and, you know, gloves when they're, you know, coaching. Uh, The one of our big things that we were concerned about was communal water. So we've, you know, that's, really, that's been the staple of, of athletic yeah. training, right? Like yeah, we all have yes. a water bottle or a hose. Like yeah, what are we going to yeah. do? Yeah. So that's, that's what we're trying to nail down right now. How are we going to have, you know, individual water for, you know, each of our athletes. Um, I, I know, I'm not sure how much you're familiar with Taylor Alderdice. You know, my situation, my kids probably could get a water bottle for themselves, you know, but yeah. other schools with a little bit lesser income, they might not be able to right. go out and buy a water bottle for themselves, yeah. you know? So we're trying to figure out some solutions right now to allow the kids to be able to come participate at their full potential in a safe manner yeah and mm-hmm. at this point there's no contact um are, are you trying to keep the drill social distance still or is there some more uh, scrimmaging right, type activities right now okay so our our protocol will not allow in contact i'm not sure okay. what you know all schools are i don't think there is a direct recommendation given out to other schools yet you know which right. i really can't speak for everybody but we're doing our best to you know keep our social distancing there's no contact it's more of a conditioning type situation gotcha nice cool all right so brandon um as you're working through this you know covid situation you know what do you guys have a plan of attack like what if what if somebody what if somebody does um test positive that was in you know some of these conditioning or you know how, how do you go about do you have a, a contact tracing protocol set up you know how, how do, what does that look like yeah, yeah. So I think, well, firstly, every case, depending on the sport, it's going to be very individualized to the situation. Um, we do have a plan in place for what is going to happen um, if a you know athlete does come in contact or you know, God forbid, does come down with COVID. Um, I think it's going to be very specific to the sport, you know, and the when, where, where the you know event happened. Um, the um, Allegheny County Board of Health is going to do all of our contract tracing, you know, for okay. all this, you know. 
So Perfect. it's going to be reported up the food chain, you know, through, you know, our athletic director or our, you know, healthcare administrators. Um, and they forward that all the way to the Allegheny County Board. So they'll kind of take care of, you know, contacting and making sure all the people that would be possibly involved would be, you know, at least aware of the situation and what degree of separation they would be in the case. Um, at our level, I really think we're shutting down anyone even near it. You know, if you came to practice and, you know, Sally had a, a fever, I mean, we might say, listen, everyone in that group yesterday, you need to stay home for a few days just to make sure. You know, yep. I think, it's, like I said, very individualized depending on the sport, depending on the case, when it happened, where it happened. Um, but we do have some plans set in place to, you know, shut down a small segment of the team. And that's, I think, a big thing that we are worried about with high school sports, you know. So we're grouping off into various, you know, groups. And, you know, I'm talking to the coaches about, you know, who, what, why, where we're going to put in each single group. And one coach is like, well, I want all my linemen in this group. Well, I said, well, coach, if you put all your linemen in this group and then that whole group has to self-quarantine, okay, what's going to happen to that game? You're not going to have any linemen at all, you know. So you're going to have to forfeit that whole game, you know. So – I think that's been a process and the coaches are kind of more understanding of the, the big picture. Now, if we do have to shut a small set of kids down, you know, they want to have these massive groups, you know, I know some of them scoff at 25. I'm like, well, listen, it's, if you, you know, if have these 30, 40, 50 group kids all just run around, you're going to have to shut everyone down, you know, God forbid exactly. someone does come in contact, you know? So I'm actually more of an advocate of smaller groups. So if something does happen along these nature, we're not shutting down the whole team. We're not losing a whole game, you know, because we have to forfeit because we don't have enough athletes, you know? Yeah. And, and so you're saying like small groups for practice and stuff, but then like, what if it's a game? Like, are you, how, how are you going to, you know, keeping, yeah. Uh, I, like, I, those are all the questions that are running through my head, right? Like, yeah. what, what, are we, what are we going to consider? Yeah. Like, what are we going to consider a, a close contact that you do have to like, you know, we, you know, we define it as, you know, being within that 15 or um, being within that six feet for 15 minutes, but you know, like, is that 15 minutes consecutive? Like, is that, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, so many yeah. questions and it's so hard to work through. So I, it's good to hear that you guys have a plan. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's still, it's, it's, I don't think, like you said earlier, it's, it, it's so fluid and what your plan is today is probably not going to be what it is tomorrow, but um, yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I, it's, exactly, it's really course. helpful. Mm -hmm. So uh, Brandon, let's talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned manual therapy a whole mm -hmm. bunch. Um, mm -hmm. This is something that that I do a lot in uh, in my practice. Um, I'd love to hear uh, what techniques you're using, how you're implementing them, and what you feel the results are, and and ultimately like how you feel that that benefits your athletes. Yeah, um, so I think we kind of chat about this off air a little bit. I was formally trained in active release therapy, you know, your ART. Um, I've known some clinicians that teach me some grassing over the years that I'm very comfortable with. Uh, I am a uh, LDOA instructor. I'm not sure if you ever are familiar with that. Yeah. LDOA is, it's kind of a, a program set up to cause traction in the spine, um, similar to yoga movements, um, real big in hockey, uh, real big in Europe. Okay. Cool. So I've been formally trained in all these, but I think me becoming a clinician, a successful clinician over the years is not to pigeonhole myself to one system. I've really taken to you know, different tools and different bits out of each system to kind of make what I think works best for me. I think having the ability to have so many athletes, especially in the high school, if I want to try something new out, is, are they going to know if that's not exactly what's in you know, the plans? But hey, it worked out, so guess what? I can take that to my hockey athletes now. I know that's a technique that I've seen a lot of good results with. 
I know in the first couple of years I'm becoming a, a clinician, I threw as many, you know, bodies on the table as I could. I was trying to, you know, touch as many people, feel as many bodies, fix as many bodies as I could, you know, just become a better clinician in the tools that I've learned. Oh, that's, oh, that's great. Cool. Um, kind of going off of that, you, it sounds like you've had some good experiences. It sounds like you've had, you know, you've, you've, you've put your, your hours in, you're, you're probably hit that 10,000 hours, but out of those um, 10,000 hours, what, what was yeah. the coolest experience you've had so far? I mean, I'd be hard pressed to say it was anything but winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, twice, <laughs> twice, twice. That's cool. Not That's once, cool. twice. Yeah, I mean, for, you know, from that year where we didn't even think we were going to make it to the playoffs, you know, all the way for the next year, all the way through, it was just a special experience. Um, you know, going through the playoffs, you know, being a part of the team when everyone's, you know, trying the hardest in the heat of the playoffs to stay healthy and do the best they can to just yeah. every, everyone was trying so hard to win. And it was such a cool environment. Cause that was the first time I was around that everyone just, you could see from the, you know, from Sid all the way down to the last equipment manager, everybody wanted to win that, you know, and it was, it was just an exciting process. And then you win the cup and then you come home and everybody is excited and the whole city wants the party <laughs> and everyone, you know, so you know, I got to be in the parades and, you know, just all of the things I got the people I've got to meet, the things I got to do as a result of this, winning the Stanley Cup and being part of the Penguins is probably definitely one of the memorable aspects of my career. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I do think, and, um, um, and I, have a, I have a little memorabilia for you. Um, that that is Maz's ring right there. I had the incredible honor of seeing it once. And I got to hold it, and that was uh, the result of the uh, that ten minutes that I got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks good on there. I, I liked what you said about like the the environment of the playoffs and, and how it's different. And, and I I hear some people say that you know how you treat an athlete in season or out of season or in the playoffs is you know shouldn't matter when, what time of the year it is, but it definitely does, right? Like you're you're, you're, you're grinding through some pain that you might not have normally, you know, but it's playoff time. So you're, you're putting, you know, you're probably putting a ton of manual therapy into those guys that, you know, is manual therapy, maybe the number one thing that's going to fix a biomechanical pattern or something, maybe not, but it's going to make them feel good. And it's going to get them back on the ice. And it's going to, that, that's what they need to do during the playoffs. Right. You just need to get them back on the ice. So it, I, it, exactly. I always, that's a cool, cool experience for sure. I, I'm for very sure. jealous. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think you really hit the head in the nail with that. I mean, you really, it, it was, it was grinding. It was, you know, it was, like I said, nothing I've ever experienced before. It was a lot of late nights, you know, rubbing butts till, you know, midnight after games and stuff like that. But, you yeah. know, we yeah. did the best we Icy can. Icy hot, K-tape, mm -hmm. all the stuff that people <laughs> yeah. are like, boo-hoo, that, you know, it makes them feel better. Like, you got to do what you got to do to get Whatever them on the ice, man, especially in the playoffs. For sure. If, it, if for it's sure. a 1% advantage and it's, you know, even if it's one percent up here, it, it gets them back. Yep. It gets some that that little bit of edge for the for the next playoff game. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that was that was a great point. All right, well, all right. Let's, so, uh, let's... lightning round. What do you guys think? You want to do it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You ready, Adam? Or uh, you ready, Adam? You you ready, Brandon? I hope so. All right. So lightning round, uh, you can go as detailed or as quick as you want. These are some fun questions that we've gotten some really, really cool answers from. Uh, so the first one I'll take, Brandon, what is your dream job? Dream job. Um, I'm almost there. I would like to be more of a full-time role with the Penguins. Um, I know I want to work in pro hockey full-time. 
Right now, I love my position, being able to do the manual therapy and still work in high schools. But ultimately, I like to be full-time with Penguins. Nice. I don't know who wouldn't be. Who wouldn't want to be? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we talked all about athletic training and COVID Mm -hmm. and all kinds of other stuff. But uh, Mm -hmm. what do you do for fun? Do for fun? Um, I love to travel. Um, um, I'm a rock climber myself. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a new one. We haven't got that yet. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's been a newer endeavor, um, but I appreciate you know being able to you know train hard all winter in the gym, and then you go outside and you get to be around nature and you get to you know experience things other people haven't because they haven't put the work in to be able to get to that part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That that's yeah. probably a bucket list for me is to try to touch as many places that very few people have ever touched. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one of those sports where you don't train to to get better. You train to have more fun, and exactly. it, it's just that that driving. Oh, you know, just a couple more hours in the gym, and I'd be able to 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 make that to make that one move. Um, exactly. Yeah. I've seen some of your photography, Phil. You've been some pretty cool places, buddy. Every once in a while, every once, every in, once a while, in a while, I get something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll see if that continues. What 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 happens with that? Um, but um, so on the lines of photography, I mean, that's one of the things that inspires me is just that that magical sight you see after you click the shutter. Um, you obviously have a lot of passion, manual therapy, um, definitely working with hockey and your athletes. You see a lot of passion there. Where do you draw your inspiration from? What inspires you? It, it really inspires me to see someone come to me. I guess it kind of leads into what I really like about my job is that I, I want to help people. You know, I, it's, it's kind of funny, a little antidote. My mother took me when I was a baby, took me to a fortune teller and she read my poem and she said, this child is going to be a healer. And she could have been more spot on with that. Like I just, I really do enjoy the aspect of someone coming to me, Brandon, I'm in pain. What can you do to help me? And then I actually do help them and I actually see the, the, the relief and the, not only the physical relief, but the mental relief that does come with injury, um, being able to help people. That's it. I mean, I think that's what I was put on earth to do. I think that fortune teller was right. That's so cool. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so kind of, uh, you know, on the same lines, but maybe even a little bit deeper, but just curious, what, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Being an athletic trainer, <laughs> you're basically any and everything an athlete may need sports <laughs> medicine wise, you know, and I've really learned that over the years. You know, you learn all the things in the books, but you know, you don't, learn that your athlete's going to come to you and say, Hey, my you know, boyfriend just broke up with me. I'm, you know, I'm a crying mess right now. Or, you know, you don't hear, you know, things about, Oh, my, my relative just got this job promotion. I'm so happy. And Brandon, I just want to share this with you just because I want to share with somebody, you know, you, yep. it's, it's, you know, I, I kind of wasn't really uh, ex- expecting all that, you know, but it's, it's definitely a, a cool aspect of, athletic training you know so it's a unique healthcare. yeah you know so you you really take care of the whole person that is the athlete not just their orthopedic type stuff you take care of anything that athlete really needs to to a certain degree you know um but you're you're there you're their you're their sometimes their psychiatrist sometimes you're they're just your sounding board you're there you're their you know clinician you're someone sometimes you just gotta be that person to talk to to lend a ear on you know so yeah, especially when you, I think we're unique when we see them every day. Not not mm-hmm. many healthcare providers get to see their patients every single day. Um, exactly. And, and yeah, you're there for the ups, the downs, and everything in between. And, and you might not be the actual person that, that they need to talk to, but you're still their first person they are going to talk to. And at least you can point them in the right direction. Find right? them, like, yeah. Find the right yeah, person to go to. Yeah. 
Yep, absolutely. Well, Brandon, you've been awesome to chat with today. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to, to share all your stories with us and, and all your experiences. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, if more, if listeners have any questions to, to um, talk to you a little bit more about, is there any ways that they can reach out to you? Um, yeah, we could probably uh, give, give you my email address. Maybe we could forward out to maybe a certain blog or something like that. We can talk. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, are you on social media at all? Anything like that? I'm not. I try to stay away from there. They, you know, being in the public eye with a lot of our profession, I tr try to stay out of there. No, that that that's probably that's probably better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally just saw my phone. I spent like four hours a day on on my phone. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I need to stop that. So that's probably better. That's but uh, again, I just want to say thank you, Brandon, for for joining us. That was this was a great great episode. And I just want to say thank you to our viewers. Um, thanks for listening. And uh, if you guys have any topics or or guests that you would like to see on the show, please reach out to us. Let us know. Comment below. Um, like and share this episode. Um, otherwise, uh, it's been great. Until next time, I'm Adam Richmond. And I'm Philip Hensler. And this was the Pats Podcast.